Hi, I'm Elise Kennedy. Welcome to Jardin's Startup Tech Series, where we host entrepreneurs, venture funds, and technology companies on trends across the industry. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Stevan Premantico, founder and CEO of Me and You. Thanks for joining us today. Elise, that's a perfect pronunciation. Hello, good to be here. Those Italian origins. Um, I've used the app a number of times, particularly now that COVID has come in place. It seemed like you had to use the app. But for those who haven't tried me and you, can you explain a bit more about the business? Yeah, so I think um, me and you is a cracker. It's really exploded over the past couple of years. My background's food tech, and I just believe that technology is uh, the key to helping and um solving some of the crisis in the hospitality industry. So the way me and you works is you rock up to a venue, you tap when you get to your table, you get a beautiful visual menu on your phone, just like Instagram. You order, you pay, and food and drinks are delivered to your table. So it's super easy, super seamless, and life should be a bit easier. Yeah, it definitely has made it easier for me and some of my uses. Now, when you think about the problem that you're solving, I mean, we can recognise now it's quite convenient and even a necessity. But prior to that, what were you thinking that you were trying to solve that consumers, was there a friction point going to there or what was it? Yeah, Lisa, so I, when I think about the problems that we're trying to solve, you know, clearly me and you is much bigger than COVID. So if you go to Opera Bar on a Friday night, you know, it hits you pretty loud and clear, right? So, you know, you spend 15 to 20% of your time standing in a queue with strangers rather than hanging out with your friends and family around the table. So I think that was clearly one of the big bits we wanted to solve. I think the second bit was menus across the planet. It was pretty evident that they were dumb menus, not visual, not beautiful, and in particular, not smart. So there was no data that was being used to personalize a menu experience based on who you were, what you love, what you hated, and, um, you know, just personalizing experience for you. And I think the third bit, which is much more evident today than ever, the staff were so stretched on the floor that they were focusing their entire time running around and trying to take care of the order and they weren't able to spend any time connecting and making magic. So I think it me and you, we kind of set out to eliminate those friction points and allow a customer to rock up, tap, order, and just have a much more elegant, fun uh, experience around the table. And you've got some customers that are quite prominent customers. Are you willing to share any of those with us? Yeah, yeah, sure. I think we're super proud of our partners. So, Elisa, I think before this, I did Dimmy, the online booking platform for restaurants. And I'd say it took us <laughs> 10 years to sort of win the marquee brands, you know, mm. and that brand. And I think very fortunate to say that, you know, within our first two years, we got most of the, the marquee brands. So brands like Merivale and Rockpool and um, ALH and Solitel and Opera Bar. And so most of the marquee enterprise brands in Australia are on the platform. So we're super proud of that. I think sort of about a year back, we turned our eyes, having sort of built a really successful platform in Australia, we turned our eyes to international markets. So we're now with a bunch of marquee brands in the UK and in the US. So, you know, I think it's a little Aussie business that, you know, is truly going global. And um, yeah, so a bunch of great brands across the planet now. 
That's what we like, those little Aussie startups taking on the world. Trying to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, With the revenue model and the pricing model, are you willing to share a bit about that? Yeah, so the way we make money is pretty simple. We take 2% of the bill. So a customer rocks up at a venue, spends 100 bucks, and we will take 2% of the bill. And, um, you know, in exchange for that, we typically get the customer spending about 27.5% more with the ordering experience. Wow, interesting. And you mentioned just then taking on the world. So where is your footprint today or is it still just Australia and you've got ambitions elsewhere? No, no, no. So I think as little Aussie businesses, we've got to be careful that you don't go too soon internationally. So, you know, at Dimmy, we never made it out of Australia because we were too focused on, you know, trying to win the Australian landscape. But I think, you know, proud to say that the team's got us into a really sort of strong dominant position in Australia. So so I'd say that about 70% of our business is Australia. The UK is an absolute no-brainer for us. So we turned our eyes to the UK about a year back and that's, you know, we're experiencing some hyper growth right across the entire UK market. And then more recently, the US. Yeah, so, you know, 70% Aussie, sort of 30% global. Yeah, so when we think about the future, clearly we see significant growth out of Australia, but, you know, the future of this business is clearly what we're, what we're starting to see in terms of, you know, the bigger global markets. And how do you reach these customers? What is your go-to-market strategy? Painfully, Elise. (laughs) Every startup's business pain point, don't worry. (laughs) I think think there's a scientific part. You know, for me, I think you've got to believe in three things. I think number one is you've got to surround yourself with an exceptional team, number one. Number two is you've got to... You've got to find a team who deeply and truly believe in what you're doing. I think you've got to get those two bits right. And then the third bit, you just got to let them go wild and let them get out there and sort of, you know, create some magic. You know, and we're in a hospitality game, right? So in hospitality, it's not the most sophisticated tech-savvy operators. So you've got to hold their hand through the journey. So we're a direct sales force business. So we've got, you know, sales team across most of the major markets across Australia, the UK, and a couple of critical markets in the US. Yeah, and we might touch on some of those costs of maintenance versus existing later on. Um, let's do about the industry. So have you ever tried to identify, you know, the size of your target market in Australia or overseas in terms of numbers and or growth rates? I think like most startups, you have a crack at it and, you know, you get yourself to a position with a number that you're semi-comfortable with and that's the one you hang your hat off. And so I think when we think about the hospitality sector in terms of what we're going for, we see the, the term of about $150 billion in sales uh, across Australia, the UK and the US. So it's a huge market. Yeah. I think we then think about, you know, where are we at at the moment and, you know, we're, up, we're sitting around a billion dollars in, in total transaction value. So what we see is a massive opportunity and the business at the moment that, you know, is growing really fast, but, you know, it's got a small part of the overall pie. So I think, you know, we're running really fast. We see that there's a massive opportunity and a massive market. There's a lot of players in this space, but I definitely say that me and you is in the top three globally. You know, we're in one of the front runners going for this sort of massive, uh, massive 10. Mm. Uh, what are you seeing as driving some of those industry shifts? You know, COVID was one thing, but that need to perhaps get, you know, your drinks in a more efficient manner or visually improved. What's yeah. driving that type of growth? Yeah, great question. Elisa, I often think back to sort of, 
10 years back when Travis at Uber had this idea that said, why do you have to get out of your house, walk down the street in the rain, walk up and down the street, put your hand in the air to try and hail a cab? Like it, it just didn't make any sense. And then Travis said, well, hold on a second. Why can't I just push a button and get somebody to come to my house? And that was just, it changed the world. And I think when I think about that, the one bit it changed for us is just that convenience. Like we don't want to stand in queues. We don't want to stand in lines. We expect stuff to happen super fast and super easy. So I think it means our vision is really simple. We just want the world to be able to rock up to hospitality venues across the planet hang out with family, hang out with friends, arrive and just push a button and get a beer and a burger to the table. So I think when we think about the trends that are really sort of driving this massive growth that we're experiencing, I think there's three big ones. So number one is there is definitely a desire for convenience. Mm. You know, we want stuff easy. We want stuff fast. We don't want friction. We definitely don't want to stand in a queue for 10 minutes and we don't want to put our hand in the air you know, trying to get the attention of a waiter, that just isn't okay anymore. So I think that's one big issue or one big trend. The second one that we're absolutely seeing is Instagram has changed the way we see the world. Mm. So, you know, the idea of rocking up to a venue and order, but I really, I can't see what it is until it arrives, kind of just doesn't make a huge amount of sense. So I think... By marrying beautiful images and allowing customers to see before I buy is allowing customers to order better, but also allowing people to order smarter. I think the magical thing we're seeing is they're actually spending a lot more. I think that's the second big trend. And I think the third one, and I'm going to take COVID as a bit of a given, but the third one I think we're definitely seeing Netflix, Spotify, Amazon have told the world that data is critical to personalized experiences. So when I can rock up, you know, and sit down after a long day, you know, jump onto Netflix and get recommendations, it makes my life better. So I think when we think about hospitality, if there's five of us around the table, it's not hospitality if we're all getting the same menu. So how do we use data and smarts to deliver a personalized menu because we know Elise is, a, is vegan and Stephen's a, you know, a gin and tonic lover. The menus should be personalized. So I think they're the three massive trends that we're seeing that are making this, you know, mobile ordering trend a massive phenomena. And I think the one final one I will say is that when we talk about COVID, the one thing that COVID has done is it accelerated this movement. You know, it's taken what would normally take 10 years. It's happened overnight. The biggest thing that we've seen is that hospitality venues across the planet, and this is not Australia, but across the planet, they can't find staff. So, you know, there's a massive labour crisis. The quality of staff that you normally get, you just can't find anymore. So I think what we're finding is, you know, venues that used to operate with 10 people on the floor are having to survive with five or six. Mm. So me and you has got a really beautiful role to play in there, not to replace the waiter, but to free up the waiter to focus on service and experience and magic. And me and you just does the order. I think there's some of the trends that we're seeing. And sorry, I get a bit passionate about it, but I think there are a bunch of the trends that we're seeing that are sort of giving us a tailwind to sort of, um, you know, behind the business. Yeah, you can really see that vision that you've got there. And thinking about that competitive landscape, you mentioned you see a few other competitors 
who are they if you're willing to share those? And then how do you differentiate yourself? You know, I, I think me and you is definitely the originals, right? If I think about Dimmy, when I created Dimmy, we were a follower, you know, yeah. and to be honest, it was so easy because you had everyone else before you who was making the mistakes and you could just learn from them and say, great, they did that, that worked, let's apply the same. I think, you know, being the originals, especially from a product perspective, it's so much more challenging, but also so much more beautiful and so much more rewarding because what you're doing, you're typically doing it as a world first. So I think when we think about this space, there's probably 30 platforms around the world who are having a crack at this. Me and you was kind of like four years old, so we're kind of out of the gates first and probably one of the more mature platforms. And then when COVID hit, every man and his dog said, let's go for this. There's a whole bunch of upstarts who are having a crack at it who are not necessarily well capitalised or haven't sort of got the full concept, but they're having a go. So I think there's probably three platforms in Australia. There's probably 30 platforms around the world. You know, some of the ones that you may have heard of would be platforms like Olo in the US is publicly listed, well-funded platform. You know, other Aussie startups like Mr. Yum, you know, good guys, good platform, but much more focused on pickup and takeaway. You know, we're really obsessed around beautiful experiences in the venue. And then there's a whole bunch of other ones in the UK, like, you know, Wi-Fi and Pepper and uh, OrderPay and, and the like. So I think when we when we think about the world, um, Lisa, I think there's a bunch of platforms all sprinting somewhere. And I'd say that me and you were out in front and it's probably in the top three. And, you know, somebody's going to go for this big prize and, you know, ultimately somebody's going to sort of, you know, be the winner I think we're in a good position, but we've got a long way to go. Yeah. And then if I think about the barriers to entry, is it easy to replicate your technology or is it more even beyond the tech? Is it harder, though, to replicate perhaps the networks that you have? Yeah, it's. I think it's like anything, like it's taken us four years and, you know, 40 of the best sort of engineers on the planet trying to solve this problem. So it's, it's a really difficult, beautiful challenge to solve. So I think you need to be well capitalized. You know, you need an exceptional bunch of people. And then I think, you know, relationships are very important in this space. So what we do see is that, you know, there is a big advantage here in first maneuvering, but ultimately, you know, we do see that the competitive moat in this space will be the platforms that are delivering the most values. And when we think about that, the reason why me and you has been so successful in Australia is I think what we've done better than anybody else is we know how to get the customer to spend more money, some data and some brilliance in the platform to really drive that. So I think that's given us a significant edge. We know how to get high usage and adoption in venues. So on average, we get a 55% share of orders in venues. You know, and that's typically compared to our competitive set of around 20%. And I think the third thing is, and, you know, this is probably to our detriment, we obsess around the customer relationship. You know, we're deeply embedded into their business. And we obsess around building deep, long-standing, profitable uh, relationships with our partners. Yeah, fantastic. And you talked about some of the, the capital costs that have to go in there. Uh, let's move on to the economics of the business. So in terms of, you know, funding that business and in the input costs, what's your biggest cost today and how do you think that's going to trend over the next few years? 
Yeah, so I think like most businesses in this space or most startups, the biggest cost for this business is is talent, right? So we're over 100 people across Australia, the UK and the US. So, you know, what I think one of the things we believe in deeply at me and you is, you know, like I'm just a really simple believer that there's three ingredients to successful startups. The single most important ingredient is the ability to execute and execute really well. So you've got to find great talent. So yes, a lion's share of our investment to date and will continue over the next few years is clearly talent. The second for us is product. You know, we don't go light on product. We're a really big believer in creating the best and the most remarkable platform in the world. So, you know, so we've invested very heavily in product and we'll continue to invest very heavily in product. We want to have a great platform that truly makes a difference in the industry. So we're continuing to beef out the product team. And then you know, I think the third part, and this is something the business has done really poorly to date, we haven't had to market ourselves and build a brand because I think, you know, we just had a great platform and, you know, that is spread in Australia, especially that's kind of spread like wildfire. So we haven't had to, honestly, in two or three months ago, we never had a marketing team. We've never did an ad. We never marketed ourselves. It just all happened organically. So I think, you know, one of the additional areas of growth for this business over the next few years will be beefing out and improving the way that we market as we enter new global markets. Yeah. And looking forward, strategies for growth. I know there's always a thousand things that you want to do, but if I think about the next 12 months, where does your focus lie? Yes. I think when we think about growth, we kind of put it down into sort of five key buckets for this business, right? So I think the first one, Elise, is is new store growth, right? So, you know, we're running really fast. There's thousands and thousands of venues out there. We want them on the platform. So bringing in the best venues on the planet into the platform is, you know, priority number one. Priority number two is then same store growth. So we typically get 55% share of orders in our venues. So we've got a team who's really heavily focused around how do we get more of our customers using the platform in our venues. So rather than ordering through traditional means, they're ordering through me and you. So channel shifting, circuit breaker, um, you know, so same store growth. I think the third is then driving up spend. That's magical and everyone wins, right? And we've definitely seen that with me and you. Customers are spending 27.5% more. We know we can do a lot more there, and in particular by using data. So those three are absolutely key priorities. And then number four is new markets, UK, USA. We're going hard. We're going for great growth in those markets. And then the fifth one, as we kind of think about the longer term, is we're very focused on our lane, but in time, we will expand into other verticals. You know, so this order and pay application is not just limited to the lanes we're in today. So we will will absolutely broaden that out and start to play and solve problems in verticals that are beyond where we are today. Fantastic. So thank you once again, Stephen Premantico the founder and the CEO of Me and You. I really appreciate your time. Super insightful. Lise, great chatting to you. Thank you. Thank you.